Hey everyone, welcome to the Communication Coach Podcast, where I'm going to help you to create successful change through powerful and honest conversations. I am your host, Nikki Perfect. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 55 of the Communication Coach Podcast. Hope you're having a great week, whatever you're doing. And today's episode is called Your Lens, My Lens because I've been looking at how I view the world and as I get older I learn a little bit more about myself probably every day and as I have different challenges in my businesses and a different way of life compared to being a police officer then I have learnt and grown in different areas. And as you learn and grow and you have your own experiences in a variety of formats and a variety of ways, it's, it, it changes the way that you perceive the world. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my first ever negotiation. One of those uh, things in life that stands out, I don't know if you can relate to that, but often when we have a first of something, you know, like when you first rode your bike or the first holiday you went on or the first job you got or the first interview you have, they stand out in your mind a little bit more than others. And I'll always remember my first negotiation. I was very excited. Some of you may have heard me tell this story before, but I was very excited about being a negotiator. So it was a two-week, very intensive course. I'd been a police officer for 20 years. I was kind of a little bit lost in my policing career. I didn't know which way to turn, which way to go. I'd failed promotion a couple of times. Perhaps some of you can relate to that. And also relate to the fact that obviously when you fail promotion or fail something you're going for, it's never your fault because it certainly wasn't mine. (laughs) I'm saying that tongue in cheek, obviously. But at the time, it felt like it wasn't my fault and that I was doing the right things, but I didn't seem to be able to progress. And then as you look back on life in the bigger picture, you you see perhaps why you weren't successful or in a specific area where, where you thought you would be or the a path that you were going to walk down that didn't become the path that, that you went down. So I took promotion a did I say two or three times. I think it was three times. I was an inspector. I was looking to become a chief inspector. When I reflect back on it, I didn't really put my heart and soul into that promotion process, whereas I did to become an inspector because be- becoming an inspector for me was more important. But becoming a chief inspector kind of just felt like the next thing to do. I wasn't really sure Uh, what I was going to do next I'd been in internal affairs for five years and perhaps some of you can relate to this that you've been doing something for slightly longer than you anticipated it became of life and then you start to get a little bit not bored not complacent but I start to get itchy feet and perhaps you do that as well and you start to look for the next challenge in your life and I generally am constantly looking for the next challenge and that's something I've realized more and more as I've got older how important that is to me and when I look back I didn't even realize it at the time but I was consistently looking for something new something to improve to better myself a way of growing a way of stepping out of my comfort zone again and now in my life I'm I'm very aware that I do that on quite a regular basis and probably sometimes too much (laughs) whereas I should let things just settle down anyway that's an aside really so my first negotiation I did the negotiation course whilst I was serving in internal affairs or it was it's called director of professional standards where you investigate people's complaints and internal misconduct and gross misconduct and I took the course it was two weeks I attended the course and I kind of had that epiphany moment whilst I was there 
some of you will have heard this before, but I felt like I had found my purpose in life. Now, some of us know our purpose very early on. Some of us, it takes a long time to find it. Sometimes we don't even find it. And we test lots of other different things. And w- when you talk about purpose, it can be quite frustrating if you haven't ha- found your, p- your purpose in the world and you don't really seem to fit. All I can say is that when you do things that feel right, that doors open for you, I believe that that is life helping you to move you towards your purpose. Some people call it fate. Some people will call it luck. It doesn't really matter what you want to call it. I believe that I was kind of guided into this way. So I ended up doing that two-week course, had the epiphany and thought, wow, this is amazing. This is just the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more I want to learn around this. There's so much more I want to do. I want to get on the permanent team. I want to get on the permanent unit. All of those things. I wanted to run before I could walk. So I had my first negotiation. You know, I was very proud to be a negotiator, wore my badge with pride. And I wasn't on call. So generally what happens when you're a negotiator is you're put on an on-call rotor and you get called out because you've put yourself on call and you do it in addition to your day job. I happen to live in South London, quite close to where a lot of calls were. And I was called on my work mobile phone when I wasn't at work. And I'd already always said to the team, please just phone me if I'm free. You know, I'll go and do it because I, w- I was so keen to get some experience, so eager to learn, so, you know, so wrapped up in this whole new skill that I'd learned. Like I wanted to put it to the test constantly, not realising perhaps that I could have put it to the test far more in day to day. Maybe that's a bit. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe I'm being a little bit harsh on myself because I wanted the, you know, the the incident where I would go and be the negotiator. When in fact, actually, I was I w- was already using the skills every day in my policing career, dealing with complaints, listening to what people had to say, empathising what had happened to them from from both sides, from policing side and from members of the public side. So I was already using these new skills, and also I was a coach. I was doing a lot of coaching at this stage. And so I was, again, using the same skills. So my phone rang. It was quite late at night. It was dark. I know it was dark. And I was kind of getting ready to go to bed, putting the dog out. You know, all the things that you do in general, your general routine. And the phone rang. And on my phone, the name Steve flashed up. Now, Steve was a guy who taught me negotiation. And he worked on the full-time unit. So I knew that if he was phoning me at this time of night, it could only mean one thing, and that was I was going to go to my first negotiation. And and I did. And he told me about the incident that was going on, not far from where I lived. He told me what was happening. And that a gentleman had been released from prison, had gone round to his ex-partner's address. They'd had a row. Allegedly, he'd beaten her up, taken the child. There'd been a police chase. And they'd deployed what is known as Stinger. You've probably seen it if you watch those traffic cops programs where they deploy it across the road. It blows out the tyres and the car comes to a natural standstill. But he was refusing to get out the car, holding the child very close to him and threatening anybody that came near to him or the child. The child was only very small. It was only a couple of months old from my memory serves me correctly. So I was like, great, I was very excited, I was like, fantastic, I'm going to go, I'm going to use all my found, newfound skills, it's going to be amazing, I'm going to be amazing, I'm going to have like a great, you know, superhero t-shirt on, he's going to come out the car, he's going to hand the child to me, he's going to say I'm really sorry, thank you for listening to me, 
you know, all those things in that I had pictured in my mind that were going to go well. And of course, eight hours later, he'd said two words to me. One I can't repeat on a podcast. And the other one is, you don't understand. It was raining a lot, uh, very heavy rain. And he wound his, I remember he wound his window down just very slightly. So I felt that that was progress. But it didn't go the way that I wanted it to. It didn't go how I expected it to. Uh, it wasn't an appreciation of my amazing negotiation conversational listening skills it was none of that and when I reflect back on that particular instant the other thing I remember was he was huge he just seemed I'm sure my memory has exaggerated this greatly but in the car he felt I felt like he was huge and his hands were massive and he just had this tiny baby in his hands and when I reflect on I didn't talk about the car by the way I did manage to persuade him to put the child down on the seat and the child was taken from the car by officers and and he w- he was tasered but he was never going to get out of the I believe he was never going to get out of that car uh, without some sort of force having to be used sadly I I might be wrong on that to be fair because I don't know what was going on in his head and perhaps if there was a different negotiator who he could have related to he may he may have stepped out the car. So so yeah, I go back on that. He he may have stepped out. Anyway, he didn't. And time was critical because the child was so small, hadn't had any food, and so the police's hands were forced. And I remember reflecting back on that and going home really disappointed, completely disappointed about my performance as a negotiator. You know, ha- where had those skills gone that I had learned? How come he never spoke to me? And the more I reflected on it and the more I thought about it, and I still reflect on many of my negotiations and think about how they went and, and conversations in general every day, my everyday conversations. You know, I know when I've had a good conversation with Meg when I've really used my active listening skills. I know when I've had a good com- conversation with my other half because the, you are a reflection of, of what you give out. And when you have a good conversation with somebody, you know, s- sometimes they'll say something like, thank you for listening to me or they will just open up far more than they would open up normally and it doesn't take much it really doesn't take much but in particular that negotiation was all about me that was what I wanted that's what I thought was going to happen that was me 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 and I was looking at it from my lens totally on my agenda totally my ego totally my lens of how the world was going to be. And obviously, he had a completely different lens that he was seeing the world through. He'd just been released from prison. He'd served some quite a long time in prison. I don't know what his experience was in there, but I'm, I'm kind of betting it wasn't great. And um, perhaps he felt, you know, he was going to end up going back to prison. I don't know. I'm making lots of assumptions because I don't know what he was thinking because I never got that far in the conversation because I was viewing the whole conversation through my lens. And we do that in everyday life. So, for example, when you uh, live live with somebody or you're married or you're in a partnership or you're in a relationship or you're just friends with somebody or you're running a team, it doesn't really matter what sort of relationship it is. You will come at life through your own lens through what your experiences have told you and what you believe to be true. And often we don't stop and reflect on that. And we don't think, well, what is making me feel this way? 
often it's around money, you know, money issues. If you have a different perspective on spending than your partner does or a, a different perspective on how your family deals with money. You know, I often hear families falling out over money and wills because we all have a different perspective of what is fair and that can be hard and that can that can lead to conversations that then escalate that then become very emotional and can lead to eventually families not talking to each other because each of us is coming at that conversation about what we believe is right what we believe is fair based on our view of the world which is when i talk about lens i'm obviously referring to our value and belief systems and as you grow older and have different experiences those can change I know that mine have I know in my life and I've only kind of really realized this over the last year since I've been away from policing is that my highest value and sometimes to the detriment of my family my highest value is being in service to others I can't help myself I was just having a conversation down at where I'm off this week. I'm having some time out, which is great. I'm seeing some family and friends, catching up with people. I'm really looking forward to that. I just had a conversation down um, where I work with my bookkeeper for the garage and my who ha- is also my business partner in my gym. And we're so she is running some courses with a trampolining company over in her other company, and. I I said, and I I kind of found myself saying it before I even realised what I was saying. You know, do you want me to take a course? Because the girl that's about to take it has hurt her foot. And so there's all these dates to be filled. And I was like, well, do you want me to take a trampolining course? And I can go and and teach trampolining. Well, of course I can't teach trampolining. I'm a 50-year-old woman who looks absolutely ridiculous on a trampoline. And any other 50-year-old woman out there will know that when you trampoline, it's not great for bladder control, I can assure you. So, of course, I don't want to do that. But because I saw she was in trouble, because I wanted to help because she's my friend, I I kind of was half-heartedly saying it, but, but also I would have done it. And my... Um, my office manager just looked at me and I went, oh my goodness, I can't believe I just said that out loud. I, sa- I said I would do something where I, I can't possibly do it because I've, I've got so mu- many other commitments that if I then committed to doing that, something else would have to give and it would probably be family time or it would be the something would give in the free businesses that I'm already running and it was bonkers, it was an absolutely crazy idea. But that is typical of my highest value of being in service. And it takes over even when I don't know that it's taking over. And I find myself saying yes to things which I cannot do. I just don't physically have time to do it. And so we were laughing about this. But I reflected on that as I walked back to do this podcast. And I was thinking, wow, gosh, that happened without any conscious intervention from myself until... They kind of laughed and suddenly I was in the moment thinking, what on earth are you saying, Nick? How could you possibly, how could you possibly do that and fit that into everything else? And I know through policing that I sacrificed time with my family to be in service at the drop of a hat. Literally at the drop of a hat, the phone would ring and off I would go. And that was a typical example, that first negotiation of not being on call, but wanting so desperately to be in service and to use that new skill. 
off I would go. So two quite extremes. But then when I reflect on, you know, my relationship with Meg, who's 12 and coming up to those teenage years and pushing boundaries and finding her feet in a lot of different ways and changing almost daily and changing her beliefs and her views and being influenced by other people, especially now like school friends and new people coming into her life, then I have to check myself. I have to check myself in my conversation and I have to go back to the basics, which are the things that achieve good relationships. And I have to look at life through her lens and reflect and remember what it was like for me. But not just what it was like for me at that time, but what it's like for her now. You know, we didn't have social media. I had to either be on the home phone. I remember my dad always saying, you've just come back from school. Why on earth are you phoning your friends? And it's the same now when she comes back and is on WhatsApp with her friends. And I find myself almost saying those same words <laughs> as my parents have said. Because I'm now viewing the world through a 50-year-old lens rather than a 12-year-old lens. So that lens is constantly changing. And for me, it's about being aware. Because the more you're aware, the more you can recognize your behavior and communication. And then you can change it. So it's not wrong to have your own lens. Of course, you will always have that. It's just about being mindful of other people's lenses and understanding that when you're coming from a conversational point of view and you might get a different reaction, that's because the other person has a completely different view of the situation. So there I was being the hero of the hour in my first negotiation. And in fact, to him, I was probably just another cop that was going to send him back to prison. So I hope you've got something from there. Please feel free to email me and let me know any other subjects that I can cover. And have a great week. I'm going to have some time out with my family. And I'll speak to you soon. Hey everybody, Nikki again. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast and thank you for joining me. You can find me on social media at Nikki Comms Coach at Twitter and The Communication Coach on Facebook and thecommunicationcoach.co.uk. Please like, share and review, and I look forward to speaking to you soon.